The dominoes are falling at the quarterback position in the NFL. Tony Romo has retired. According to the statistics, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Tony Romo, is going on to CBS. He will be the number one color commentator replacing... Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Phil Sims is gone. In steps Tony Romo, who is guaranteed to be a massive, 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 massive upgrade over Phil Sims who was just out there talking as if he'd never played the game before and hadn't prepared to call a game. During an NFL broadcast with Phil Simms in the booth, if I told you this guy was a starting quarterback for 10 years, he's a Super Bowl champion, you wouldn't believe me because nothing he ever said exuded expertise in the field of football. So thankfully, Phil Simms, gone, you're out! So, So in some ways, this is great news. For Tony Romo enthusiasts, we get to enjoy Tony Romo every Sunday as a color commentator instead of a quarterback. He didn't have many years left. He's in his late 30s. One or two years left with a bad back. Why not? I think he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, as I said. And it's not even my opinion. It's just objective. Looking at advanced statistics and metrics and even some of the counting stats... They all point to Tony Romo being one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. You will be missed. But now the dominoes have fallen. Tony Romo is now in a broadcast booth. And Jay Cutler has disengaged from employment seeking. He's essentially taken himself off the market. Or his girlfriend, Kristen Cavalieri took him off the market and sent him away to some island where he frolics nude. That's Jay Cutler's existence right now. He's not meeting with NFL teams. So that domino has essentially fallen. Who's left on the quarterback market? Ah, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Now is the time. Now we will find out who the truly prejudiced front office GMs truly are. Because we didn't know before, now we will know. It's time to look to Houston. It's time to look to Denver. Teams that desperately need quarterbacks that are currently in win-now mode. Don't look at Cleveland. Hugh Jackson said that they are not interested in Colin Kaepernick. Not because he's prejudiced against Colin Kaepernick, because the Cleveland Browns are trying to lose games. They want the number one pick next year as well as this year. And then they'll start to crank the win-now engine up. That's the way to win. That's the easiest, best path to winning a championship in the NFL, just like it is in the NBA. Cleveland Browns get it. Houston Texans, Denver Broncos are not in tank mode. They are in win-now mode, so they need the best possible quarterback that they can put under center. And as of right now, looking at the quarterbacks they currently have under center, Trevor Simeon in Denver, Tom Savage in Houston. Clearly, Colin Kaepernick is the best option for them, so they should be pursuing Colin Kaepernick with a vigor. I expect one of those two teams to sign Colin Kaepernick in the next couple weeks, but I'm afraid it's not going to happen because I spent this past weekend in Maine with my family, and I talked about the trip in great detail on the Backstage Pass show. The Backstage Pass show is the show that we host for patrons only. You should become a patron of the show if you appreciate what we're doing. 
Go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Search for Podfather and join the Underworld community. You get gear, you get access to a weekly Backstage Pass show, and you get to control the knobs to help determine what we talk about. And most of the Backstage Pass shows are fantasy football analysis heavy. We went through all of my dynasty rankings. Playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. And identified all the players that I am significantly higher on than consensus. But sometimes we talk about my personal life. And this weekend, I visited my parents in Maine. And Colin Kaepernick's name came up. And both my mother and father, just knee-jerk reaction. Asshole. Asshole. And it was jarring to me. What? Why did you just call him an asshole? He's a good player, not a great player. And he did something courageous. He stood up for something that he believed in that would be politically unpopular. I exist in this bubble. Even among football fans, those of us that are younger than 40 years old look at the world differently than my parents do. But unfortunately, I believe that a lot of the individuals in NFL front offices look at the world more similarly to my parents than myself. A lot of old, crusty, mummified football guys in leadership positions around the NFL. And that is a problem for Colin Kaepernick. It's a problem that I did not fully appreciate until I talked to those in their 60s and then just, boom, immediately was hit with asshole, asshole, asshole. And then, of course, expectedly, right into an anecdote about how their father served in World War II and believed in the American flag and, okay, 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 okay. For me, it's a huge leap. For them, it's a short step from Colin Kaepernick to questioning the heroism of World War II veterans. What? What are you talking about? Why are you talking about World War II? What? (laughs) Colin Kaepernick doesn't hate America. I mean, but that's the belief. I think if you polled the public just took people off the street and said, do you think Colin Kaepernick hates America? Over 50% would say yes, and they would be wrong, misguided. But I believe there's at least one scout in every front office who is there to raise his hand and object to his team courting Colin Kaepernick. So this is where real leadership emerges. Will you, NFL GM X... Sign the unpopular player, a player who's unpopular inside your organization and among your fan base, because most of the fans that can afford NFL season tickets are older. Their sensibilities align more with my parents than with myself. This is the uphill battle that Colin Kaepernick faces to retain employment in the National Football League. The National Football League, a monopoly. Not just a monopoly, a non-profit monopoly sanctioned by the government. And when you're a non-profit monopoly sanctioned by the government, the threshold for what is considered discriminatory employment activities is much lower. In order to practice his craft in the United States, Colin Kaepernick must be employed by the National Football League. That's a very different dynamic than other employees around the country face. If Acme won't hire Colin Kaepernick, he can't just go down the street and get a job with Acme's competitor. There is no competitor to the NFL. So they are obligated to employ all of the players 
who can perform above replacement. Because NFL players are not actually employees, they're partners. In this nonprofit entity called the National Football League, it's not a traditional employer. The owners are in a revenue-sharing partnership with the players. And if Colin Kaepernick is not afforded employment opportunities in the NFL in the next few months, the NFL Players Association must file a grievance on the behalf of the players' side of the partnership. And I have no idea where Colin Kaepernick is going to end up playing if he plays anywhere at all in 2017, but I bet there is someone who does know. Benjamin Albright, of course. He had a buzzard right in. You are so wrong about Benjamin Albright. He is not a hack. He called A.J. Boye to Jacksonville. Oh, God. (laughs) I cannot believe there are Benjamin Albright defenders in this audience. Well, I wanted the audience to grow, and this is what a growing audience looks like. More diverse, wider variance of preferences. And sure enough, there are members of this audience who believe that Benjamin Albright is not a hack. (laughs) Because he called A.J. Boye to Jacksonville. Did he really? Because I saw Benjamin Albright narrow down his prediction for A.J. Boye to two teams, Jacksonville and Tennessee. That's the great sleight of hand that the free agent prognosticators employ. They set up a matrix of needs across the NFL cross-reference that with cap space, and throw darts on a board guessing where players will land. They do not actually have inside information. They don't know what the NFL teams are thinking. They may have conversations with agents. I have no doubt that agents are leaking information to any hack with a microphone across the sports media landscape. But that doesn't mean anyone including legitimate reporters like Adam Schefter, know what NFL teams are thinking. Because if they tell anyone what they're thinking, they lose leverage. But Benjamin Albright wants you to think that he has the inside information. He knows where A.J. Boye is going. It's the great sleight of hand trick in the NFL cold reader bag of tricks. And boy, were they out in full force during the month of March. I'm so glad that we're into April and we no longer have to hear these predictions about where players will be landing. Now we get to hear predictions about where NFL draft prospects will go. I prefer that to the free agent speculation. I prefer a mock draft, the ultimate masturbatory activity in all of sports, the mock draft, the most useless exercise in sports media. I prefer that to these fraudulent tweets from Benjamin Albright predicting where players may or may not go down to a couple teams and then turning around a day or two later and claiming victory, claiming that they have the crystal ball, they have the relationships. Yeah, (laughs) I know a couple agents you don't know. I found out who their clients are talking to. It helped me narrow down my list from three to two. Congratulations. Great job. You narrowed down the list. No, seriously, great job. Amazing work by Benjamin Albright, the Miss Cleo of NFL reporters. When you talk about cold reading, cold reading is essentially the art of being a psychic. 
Now, spoiler alert, there's no such thing as being a psychic. No one can see the future. But I read a book once called The Full Facts Book of Cold Reading. It's one of my favorite books of all time. Now, it's $150 on Amazon. You have to buy it directly from the individual who wrote it. But I thought it was worth it because it debunks mysticism and gives you all the tricks that psychics and other false prophets employ. And you know where I found the book most useful? Decoding NFL Draft Analysis and sales pitches. Oh, you haven't heard a sales pitch until you've experienced it through the prism of the full facts book of cold reading. I bought the book when I was in sales and it helped me become a better salesman. Basically tells you how to say all the right things at the right times to give the impression that you have information about the future. And specifically to sales that you understand the pain points of your prospective customer. You can empathize with their day-to-day -day struggles and you understand what their goals are. You don't actually understand what their goals are, but these are tricks to make them believe that you do and then they will trust you and buy your product. And when you're selling software as I was, that's very important because sometimes you don't actually have the software to sell. Sometimes you need to get that first customer in order to fund the research and development to complete the actual software application. This happens every day in business selling vaporware. You sell the idea of a piece of software and once you get the money, then you run out and build it and you pretend that you had a working prototype all along. That's vaporware. That's Benjamin Albright. And it's amazing how credibility is attained by NFL correspondents and reporters. Essentially, if you can build an audience somehow, some way, doesn't matter how you did it, but an audience adds your credibility. And that credibility gives you a bigger audience. And that bigger audience gives you more credibility. So once you reach a critical mass of followers, as long as you keep the prognostication engine running, you keep pumping out these predictions, your follower count will inevitably grow no matter how wrong you are. Doesn't matter what your hit percentage is. You just keep growing the number of followers and the audience, and that gives you more credibility, and it's this self-perpetuating feedback loop. And I believe that now with over 30,000 followers, that's Benjamin Albright. He has left the Earth's atmosphere. He has attained escape velocity by just winging it, by loudly proclaiming that Kirk Cousins was destined to be a 49er this offseason. I mean, his loudest prediction was also his most wrong. Kirk Cousins will be playing for Washington, not San Francisco this year. Well, I talked to Kirk Cousins' agent, and Kirk really wants to play in San Francisco, and Kyle Shanahan's the coach of San Francisco and knows Kirk from his time in Washington. Oh, we're connecting the dots, and we have inside information from an agent. Yes, the most trustworthy individuals in all of sports, the sports agent. Yes, we have two critical pieces of information, uh, a dot connection over here and a preference shared by an agent over there. Any conversations with the San Francisco general manager? No. Any conversations with the Washington general manager? No. Doesn't matter. It's vaporware. Once you've reached escape velocity and you've exited the Earth's atmosphere, you're free to say whatever you want. Just keep talking. Just keep making up landing spots for players, and eventually you will be right. I was right about Deshaun Jackson going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I was connecting the dots based on cap space and need. That's it. But I did not run a victory lap after that correct assertion because it was just that. It was an assertion. It was a guess. 
It was an educated guess. That's all these guys are doing. And when actual news breaks, it's not Benjamin Albright breaking the news. The guys that actually know what's happening at the tops of these organizations, they're not talking to Benjamin Albright, telling them definitively, we're signing Terrell Pryor. We're trading for Brandon Cooks. Because of course they don't trust Benjamin Albright. This self-perpetuating feedback loop reminds me of an information Ponzi scheme. I have followers pointing me to Incarcerated Bob this year. You gotta go follow Incarcerated Bob. He knows where players are headed. (laughs) What? But I would rather follow Incarcerated Bob than Benjamin Albright because at least Incarcerated Bob is not making up advanced metrics using smoke and mirrors. Benjamin Albright created the true QBR metric. And I found that curious. Benjamin Albright does not have a history in the analytics community, but he somehow has improved ESPN's quarterback efficiency metric. Let me get this straight. ESPN's stats and information arm that employs a significant number of really smart people created a quarterback efficiency metric that weighs both passing and rushing by the quarterback. And Benjamin Albright went out and improved on that himself. I'm not aware of Benjamin Albright having a sophisticated understanding of advanced statistics and analytics. That's not one of his skills. His skills start and end with gas bagging on the radio, making predictions, some that come true, some that don't come true, and then celebrating the ones that do come true and ignoring the ones that don't come true. I mean, that's how I would do it if I were in his chair, if I chose that as my profession. NFL transaction prognosticator, I would execute the job the same way Benjamin Albright's doing it. He's good at selling vaporware, there's no doubt. But the moment that he put on the guise of analytics expert, that's where I draw the line. I'm fine with Incarcerated Bob doing what Incarcerated Bob does because he doesn't pretend to be an analytics expert. There is no Incarcerated Analytics Bob. But I'm supposed to believe that Benjamin Albright went through a quantitative process, an analytical process, analyzing the predictive qualities and effectiveness of the QBR metric, and then finding specific ways to improve it. I don't believe that. What I do believe he did is add an arbitrary discount factor, add an arbitrary premium factor on top of the QBR metric to throttle it in one direction or another based on what he believed looked about right. Because that's how most people would do it. Because most people do not have the technical skills to actually improve a metric like ESPN's QBR. I mean, the balls to say that you improved ESPN's QBR metric. (laughs) The sheer gall of that claim. It's preposterous. But those are the individuals that succeed in the sports media business. The industry is populated largely by preposterous clowns who take no inventory of the absurdity of their claims and never revisit takes of the past. They are moving on to the next prediction, and they don't care how absurd their sales pitch is to the public. We have a federal trade commission that monitors consumer goods companies, for example, from making unsubstantiated claims about their products. False advertising. But there is no false advertising police on football Twitter, sadly. Which takes me back to Colin Kaepernick. I will not be following Benjamin Albright to see where he thinks Colin Kaepernick will land. 
certainly not after he tweeted a picture of Napoleon Dynamite and Pedro to represent the Bears quarterbacks. And I know what you're thinking. That was funny. It's a skinny white guy and a Mexican guy. Glennon and Sanchez. That's funny. Yeah, it's funny to white people. Oh, Benjamin Albright's tweet was hysterical to some segments of the Caucasian population, and that's about it. It was not funny to Hispanic people, because I asked multiple Hispanic people, what do you think of this tweet from Benjamin Albright? They said it wasn't funny because Mark Sanchez looks nothing like Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. And this is not racially insensitive. There's no such thing as being insensitive about race. You're either being derogatory or not. Insensitive is a euphemism that those that like to degrade other races use to protect themselves from criticism in order to retain their rights to be assholes. Mark Sanchez looks nothing like Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. He's just Hispanic. That's it. And it's not that that tweet was politically incorrect, because politically incorrect is another euphemism that allows assholes to dehumanize those that are not like them. Different sexual orientation, different gender, different race. It's not politically incorrect. That term has no meaning. It's simply dehumanizing to portray Mark Sanchez as Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. What we talk about on this show is it's okay to mock the actions of others, but you cannot mock inherent traits, particularly how people look. It's not that that's not socially acceptable. It's that it's despicable to do that. It's simply wrong to mock how people look. If you get mocked for something inherent, something you cannot control, that is unfairly demoralizing and dehumanizing. And it's the issue that Colin Kaepernick is standing up for. He feels dehumanized. He feels like an other in this society. Many that are not the majority feel like an other. And it's sentiments shared on television, social media, radio that helps perpetuate this feeling. And it's wrong. It's just wrong. Don't call it politically incorrect. Just call it wrong. That's what I said to my parents. That's wrong what you're saying about Colin Kaepernick. It's flat wrong. He's not un-American. He's speaking up about feeling marginalized. And you can choose to simply not listen. That's your right. Sure. But mocking him is not acceptable. And I know some of you will say, well, this is free speech. What do you mean it's not acceptable? It's free speech. We live in a free society. I can say whatever the fuck I want. I can call anyone any name I want because this is my freedom. Do not take away my ability to be an asshole. And to that I would say we don't actually have freedom of speech in the extremes. It doesn't exist. It is a facade that was created by politicians. There's never been a such thing as ultimate free speech. Why? Because we live in a society. And when you live in a society, there is no immunization for being cruel to others. You can't just wave around a meaningless, get-out-of-jail-free word salad like politically correct. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't absolve you of your despicableness. And inferring that all Latinos look like Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite is dehumanizing. And the reason why it's not socially acceptable, derogatory speech makes life harder for everyone to some degree, not just the targets of dehumanizing public sentiments. So that's why I object to it. And that's why ultimate free speech does not exist, because you can continue to say mean-spirited derogatory things 
about the individuals around you, but eventually you will be marginalized from the society. Eventually no one will want to be around you and you will be alone. And then you can talk to yourself and say whatever the fuck you want.